Thank you for joining us today at the Retreat Church Online, and we're glad that you've chosen to worship the Lord with us and to participate in this way. I pray that this meets your needs and that God is speaking to you as we turn our attention to Acts chapter 8 once again. As you're turning there, you understand that we as Christian people, we weren't always Christian. Um, you're following Christ now, I hope, but you weren't always following Christ. You weren't always living this way. You weren't always attempting to um, follow the Word of God. And during that time before you were following Christ, before we were following Christ, we formed these kind of mindsets and habits, these presuppositions of what God should be or, or maybe what Christians should be or what we would be if we ever became a Christian. Um, maybe you knew some Christians growing up. Maybe you, your grandma, your mom, your dad, your brothers or sisters, you had friends that were Christians, and maybe you thought, hey, if I was ever one of those, I would or I wouldn't. You had all these kind of ideas about God and about Christianity. And even though I was um, converted at a relatively young age, age of 14, uh, I already had some kind of ideas. I had a Christian friend that was in my neighborhood, and I always kind of thought of what that might be like, and um, his family was somewhat instrumental in me coming to Christ. But I also had this church bus, <laughs> had this church bus that used to come by every once in a while and pick kids up and go to church. And one time my dad um, let me and my sister jump on the bus and go, you know, all the way into a, the next like two or three towns over, which we wouldn't see that take place again today, would we? But we jumped into this bus and, and we went to this, this church and we actually had the, the kids Bible study. I don't even know how old I was. I was probably like nine or something like that. But we had the kids church, you know, in this bus. We never even went into like the building for the service. We just like, they bust us in. We parked at the parking lot and then the teacher came onto the bus and we just stayed right there for this, this class. And then they asked us if we wanted to become Christians. And I had no clue what that meant as a little kid, but I saw other kids raising their hand and, um, and then I, I, I raised my hand to, to become a Christian, not knowing what was going on. And then they took those that raised their hand, they took us off the bus. And that's when things started to get really, really scary. And they took us into the church building. And it was this big church building and all these people. And they walked us down the center aisle, all these little kids. And there's all adults here. They wrapped us around the back of the stage. And there were, I don't know what was going on, and I don't even remember seeing my sister. Maybe she was with me, maybe she wasn't. But we went back around to this church, and they were going to baptize us. No clue what baptism meant. All I know is that they were taking people, putting these robes over them, and then putting them in this water and coming out. And, and as I was waiting my turn in line, the weirdest thing happened. And I, now that I'm a pastor, I can't believe that this actually happened. That's why I'm not telling you what church this was. But I, I was taken back. And then another um, adult came down and said, we're out of time. We're no longer baptizing people. That's all we can do today. If you want to get baptized, you have to come back next week. Needless to say, I went home, explained this experience to my, my parents and Lo and behold, I never went back again, never actually went to a church again until I went when I was 14. So all of these kind of ideas that are formed in our head, you know, when we do come to Christ, that, when I did get baptized as a teenager, I reflected upon that, that time, and, and all I knew was that going to church was scary, um, that going to church meant you were taken in the back but then there wasn't really time for you. So it, it kind of messed with me a little bit, and, and I, of course I got over it. Here I am today doing this. But what do we do 
with these carryovers, which we're going to call them for the rest of our time today. What do we do with these, these carryovers that we have in our life that they have nothing to do with Christianity, though we think they do? They're just misconceptions, and it's not that we're in rebellion or, or anything like that. We just don't understand, and so we're taking these carryovers into our life with Christ, and then we, we do things and we, we behave in such a way because we think that's what we're supposed to do. We think that that's how a Christian is supposed to behave and, and talk and think, and, and, and then we get corrected, thank God. We get corrected. And that's kind of what's going on in our text today as we are looking at this life of Philip as Philip becomes this evangelism, this, this missionary into Samaria, as Jesus said that his disciples would be. And as he goes in, he encounters this man named Simon who was a sorcerer, the text tells us. And looking um, at the text, we're just going to be talking about this overall idea today, dealing with what we carry over, okay? That's just a fair kind of assessment, dealing with what we carry over. So let's dive into the text and, and let's get to know the characters. First, we have Simon. Simon's life before knowing Jesus is right here in the first couple of verses of our text today, starting in verse 9, where it says, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. So here is, is this person now, Simon's sorcery was indicative of a time when all of the culture was predisposed to the superstition, and obviously something was taking place through this man, and this, this sermon is not um, an attempt to discuss what that might have been. It could have been any, sor any number of things. It could have been um, demonic. It could have been trickery. Um, it could have been sleight of hand. It could have been all kinds of different things, right? Um, sometimes um, there was drug use involved in causing hallucinations and doing these kinds of things. And so um, everything that you can imagine being part of our world today was probably very similar to, to what they were dealing with. But they had a heightened sense of this superstitious kind of... Um, kind of notion. Remember Samaria, they had a Jewish heritage, but then they had also a Gentile heritage because they were like a mixed race. And so they had all kinds of things kind of going on, or almost like a melting pot, if you would. And so here, Simon is this person that claimed to be great, and then people actually thought that he was the, the power of God personified. Can you imagine? And so that, that, was, that was Simon. And so then Simon believes. He becomes a believer. Notice verses 12 and 13, where he says, he says, but when they, that's the people, believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So he was a powerful person in the community, doing a lot of powerful things, being called great, thinking he was great. Here comes Philip into Samaria. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the resurrection. He's witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people start to believe that. Now, we would imagine that some people started to add that to their beliefs, so they had all of their 
superstitions. They had their Jewish heritage. They had Simon, who was called great, and they thought he was great. And then here comes this person talking with Jesus. And, and in this culture, a lot of times they would add gods. They would add perspectives. They wouldn't exchange one for another. They wouldn't get rid of an old way of thinking and then take on a new way of thinking. They would just add that. And so it was a, it was a people that were continually adding to the way that they think. So sometimes, well, we'll listen to Simon, we'll watch him do this, and then there's this Jesus. He kind of does this part. But then notice something very amazing and awesome takes place, starting in verse 14, when we read this. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they went, excuse me, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus." Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So you see now, what is taking place is on a whole different level. Because now, what we have is we have the apostles. Remember, they stayed in Jerusalem when persecution broke out, and people began to spread all over that part of the world. And to their amazement, to their utter shock, even though Jesus had already told them this, that the Samaritans were believing in Jesus. And now remember, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had come and empowered them to be witnesses, as Jesus said. And so they understood that in reflecting upon the teachings of John the Baptist and of Jesus concerning baptism, they knew that now there was this baptism of the Holy Spirit. They knew that now the Holy Spirit had come, as Jesus had said he was, and he was empowering the church. And so here were these people that were believing in Jesus, They had had their sins forgiven. They were now um, starting to learn the very very infant kind of position in following Christ, full of their carryovers, right? Full of all the things that they thought life would be if they ever um, met or started to believe or if God sent the Jewish Messiah. And so, in fact, he had, but they were a people that needed the power of the Holy Spirit, They were a people that needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. But moving forward in our text, we notice that Simon responds. Look at what he says. Now Simon, verse 18, saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles. And he offered them money, saying, give me this power also so that Anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. So here's his carryover. (laughs) This is just the way that he probably had done things forever. That he believed that power was attained by the giving of money. That you can actually earn power. That you can actually earn the right to display power. So he did not learn this from Jesus, obviously, Um, But he had this presupposition, this notion that, well, I did this before I became a Christian. Now I believe in Jesus. I've added Jesus to my way of thinking. And now I'll just kind of carry on, but I'll have Jesus as part of this idea. And so with that, then he makes this request. But then we have verse 20 through 24, where Peter then said to him, or yeah, Peter then said to him, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part 
nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, if possible, the, the, um, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Isn't that interesting? He, he, he was corrected. And he didn't argue. Fear came above him, upon him. And he asked for forgiveness. But notice what Peter was saying. Peter was saying, may your money perish with you. And he mentioned that Simon could not partake or participate in this matter. What was this matter? The preaching of the gospel and the praying that people would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that is what happens when you are infilled with the Holy Spirit. You have the power of God within you to then participate in what God is doing in preaching the gospel. It's very, very key. But in dealing with our, with our carryovers, I want you to see this man Simon's heart. Like many of us, he was acting on his preconceived notions. He was acting on what he always thought to be true, and he was just adding Jesus to that. And, and maybe you and I have some work to do in that area as well. Maybe, like Simon, we believe in Jesus. We've been baptized. We, we, we're learning. We're growing. But we need to deal with these carryovers. So how, how can we do that? Very simply, according to this text, we, we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. Now I know that you and I both, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we, you talk about carryovers, right? I remember early on in my experience with Jesus uh, that I, I, I would go into these places. I would just hear that some preacher was preaching and I would go to them and, and these things you know, were, were, were happening that were, to me, seemed very, very strange and very, very odd. And, and, and the more I learned about the Bible, and the more I would go back and talk to my youth pastor and my pastors and kind of tell them about the, these experiences that I had is that I, I started, in my own young mind, I started getting afraid of the Holy Spirit. Whenever someone would mention the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I would start to back up. I would start to think, oh, I don't know like about that, because my first few experiences with what was called the infilling of the Holy Spirit seemed to be people literally freaking out, you know, falling on the ground, screaming and yelling, running around, twitching all over the floor, and I was like, no, 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 I want nothing to do with that. And as I began to, to read my Bible, I, I didn't see that. I, I, in fact, I see, I saw what I'm telling you today, that I saw people in their right mind, I saw people in control of their faculties, and I see very literally here that these people, when filled with the Holy Spirit, were empowered to make sense, right? They, they became convincing. They, they became people that God would use to pour His Spirit out into other people, and they too would be empowered, and they too would start to display the fruits of the Spirit, which, which are love 
And so I started to learn that being filled with the Holy Spirit meant that I was empowered to be and to do the things that God had called me to do and that I can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, participate in what God was doing and that He would cleanse me of all of those things I was carrying over into my relationship with Christ. So when you, when you think about this, and I, I'm not sure, maybe you're like me, maybe you, you when you hear, oh, filling of the Holy, I got, I got the Holy Ghost, and you, you just start these experiences, right, in these things, and, and, and I'm not necessarily trying to debunk those today. I have a lot of friends that, that kind of live in, in, in some of that, not an extreme sense, but in some of that, and, and I, we have discussions about that, but coming to this text, you can plainly see that this was about fulfilling Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That Jesus said, when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and in the outermost parts of the world, earth. And that is exactly what is taking place here. But you're also seeing someone with a preconceived notion that they can buy their way into this. And that Peter is saying, your money is worthless here. May it perish with you. And you see somebody repenting of their preconceived notions of what they believe that God is supposed to be like and participating in what's supposed to take place. So we can can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. In fact, you can be a believer, you know, you can be, we see this in, in Simon, you can be a believer, you can be baptized, and then you can have all sorts of things going on inside of your mind and your heart that need to be properly dealt with. And so I'm not saying that you're, it's not, a, this isn't an in or out thing, this isn't a saved or unsaved thing, this is saying that those of us that are walking with Jesus, we have these preconceived notions, and Simon's was that he can buy his way into participating in God, and I don't know what yours is today. Mine was this fear of the Holy Spirit, which had to be dealt with, which God had to take me back to the Scripture. God had to begin to fill me with His Spirit and allow me to experience the power that comes with the filling of His Holy Spirit and let me participate in what He's doing. Because all of us as Christian people, we can have these kind of carryovers. Some people call them blind spots. It's another way that we can describe this. It's just you're, you, you have these wrong thoughts and these wrong ideas about God and about being a Christian, and, and you just don't understand. It's a blind spot for you, but you need someone like Peter and like Andrew to come into your life life and to help you see that what you thought Christianity was supposed to be like really, really is, is, is not, and to get you back to being centered on the Word of God. And so we understand that, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is about being able to witness and being able to positively affect the lives around you. And you see that that is one of the things that we really, really need from Christians today is that we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit so that we can impact our culture with all that is taking place today with the, with the division that we see in our country, with the pandemic that we're experiencing, the racial issues that we're experiencing. Our country is crying out for spirit-filled believers empowered to make a difference, empowered to have the love of the Holy Spirit infilling them in such a way that it's overflowing to all those that are around them because it, it is the love of God that will compel people to come to Him. And as people come to Him, they will begin and you will begin to experience the reality of who God is and begin to clean up a lot of these preconceived notions of what you thought God would be like. And so we have one more thing to kind of put in here, tie up a little loose end that I want to bring to your attention. And that is... Um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, Jesus says something here that, that's very, very 
important that, that I want to bring to your attention. Okay, I'm sorry, not, not, not Jesus, but um, John the Baptist says something very important here. He says, he says this, he says, I baptize you with, the wa- with water for repentance. Okay? Simon had experienced that. He, he believed in Jesus, and then he was baptized, and he was forgiven of his sins. He was repenting of being a sorcerer. He says, but he who is coming after me, that's Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, we've talked a little bit, and we can't do an exhaustive study of this this morning, but I've, I've given you a little bit of information on the, the idea that the Holy Spirit empowers you to participate and be a witness of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. But then there's this, this last word in verse 11, fire. Isn't that interesting? Fire. When you think of fire in the Bible, specifically related to the Holy Spirit, it is this purifying act of God within our life. In the Scriptures, fire is used in various ways, but the one that applies to this text is purification. And when the Holy Spirit comes in to your life, He not only empowers you to participate, but He begins to clean away and purify all of those preconceived, what we're calling today, carryovers. And it's not something that these carryovers are God is saying, you need to go away and you need to fix those. And then when you fix those, come on back and participate. No, not at all. It's as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He does the cleansing work in our lives and we are empowered and made right to come, come into the presence of God and to participate in what God is doing. Remember, God does not call the qualified he qualifies those he calls. Let's pray together. I think a, a, an appropriate prayer to end this message with today is from Psalm 51.10, where David prays, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Father, would you do that work today? Would you do that work? Would you fill each person, Lord, that asks you this morning as they are listening to this message, Lord, as they are, are participating in, in, in worshiping you through the hearing of your word. Father, will you fill them with your spirit? Would you, by the infilling of your Holy Spirit, would you give them the power to be your witnesses? Would you give them the power to participate in what you are doing in our world today? Father, as you fill them of your, with your spirit, I pray that you would cleanse them from all of their preconceived notions of what they thought Christianity would be like. I pray that you would free them from all the things that are hindering them from moving forward in their relationship with you and hindering them from being all that you want them to be. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.